Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Chelsea McLaughlin. And I'm Laura Brodnick. And what a weekend of celebrity news. Not great celebrity news. No, I feel like the hits just kept on coming. Thank God my broken foot and I were still at home. (laughs) We couldn't leave the house. We were on personal house arrest. But I needed to be because the headlines, the breaking news, you had to be completely glued to your phone all weekend, which is super healthy for anyone else who did that. No, literally, I was lying in bed, like woke up Saturday morning, grabbed my phone because... That's obviously yeah. what everyone does. If you say you don't, like, I know lying. it's an unhealthy habit we all. And I like turn my phone on, and it's just like multiple push notifications about Hugh Jackman and Deborah Lee Furness, which is really sad. I like was literally like, <gasps> it's so rare that a piece of celebrity news really shocks me nowadays. Mm. Like nothing is shocking, but yeah, that I saw that thing on Saturday morning first thing too, and I was like, guys, I wanted to go back to sleep, and now <laughs> I can't. I'm just up dealing with this trauma. I think why like there's always been such a really ugly narrative around them, to be honest. Mm. is that there's like a 13-year age gap between them and people have always thought that she was like not good enough to be with him. If you hear the stories of how they met, it seems like she was probably too good to be with him (laughs) because she was like Australia's cool girl. Uh And people always alleging that he's gay. Yeah. Still, after all these years, which when I saw this news, I was like, oh, this narrative is going to start up again. Mm -hmm. This reaction we have, we think we know someone's life. Like maybe their last kid just either started college or went to college. Mm -hmm. Maybe they just, after 27, Seven years, they were like, we had a good run, but we're just different people now. Yeah, and I have read a lot this weekend about it and people being like, oh, that sucks. Like, we treat divorce and breakups and stuff like a failure, but 27 years is a really successful. And they seem like they're pretty amicable. So I was like, oh, it's really sad that they're obviously breaking up. But it's like the way that we treat something like that as an inherent failure, when it's like, you can't just brush aside 27 good years. You know? Yeah, exactly. And like the narrative's already kicked up about like what Hugh Jackman's gonna do next. Like there's that picture of him seen spotted walking through the streets after divorce. I'm like, that could be any time. <laughs> he just looks normal. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, exactly. So that happened. And then one Drew Barrymore, who has really been through the ringer this week of her own making. Mm-hmm. So that whole situation where she announced her show was coming back against the writer's strike and actor's strike that's on at the moment. There was a huge amount of pushback from people in the industry, from like actors, producers, directors, writers, everyone saying, please don't do this. She then posted an apology <laughs> video. She didn't seem to know what people were upset about mm. or what people were apologising for. And she was basically saying like she didn't want to hire a publicist to do this for her. She wanted to take responsibility. And I was like, girl, that is clear. <laughs> I deeply apologise to writers. I deeply apologise to unions. I wanted to own a decision so that it wasn't a PR protected situation and I would just take full responsibility for my actions. There's a reason that publicists 
exist and it's for this exact reason. My other favourite thing is she did it behind what I'm calling the poor wall. Yes! That celebrities have oh in their God. houses because we saw and you do know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like the Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher apology video where it looked like they were behind like a they were in like front a of a weather beaten wall yeah. like they're just out in the burbs but somewhere. But the problem is all of these celebrities do architectural digest <laughs> videos so we know that that's outside next to their very large very fancy pool. <laughs> exactly and then you saw Drew's she looks like she's in front of like her poor wall but we know she lives in a massive house anyway it's such a thing <laughs> so then she deleted the video really quickly because the backlash was even more intense mm-hmm. this time around from again people in the industry who and we say backlash too it was people pointing out that she was just in the wrong yes that's not really like a pile on that's just a factual statement and then only yesterday the roller coaster of emotions tipped again when she posted they have paused production on their show and they won't be going ahead. So I think that's definitely a good outcome, but I do wonder how this will impact her legacy in Hollywood, whether it will or whether... I feel like a lot of people won't forget that this happened. Particularly because it's the people that are in the industry, like her peers, that were really mad at her and pushing back on this. It's not really the public. The public was kind of like, oh, just roll along and watching her cry on video was entertaining in a terrible way. So that all happened, which seems like, I guess, very quaint and nice when you look at what we're going to talk about today. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, we do have to talk about another man doing bad things because over the weekend, massive allegations of rape and sexual assault, among a bunch of other things, came out about Russell Brand. So we're going to talk through today all of the allegations, what it all means and how he's made himself almost unable to be cancelled before the news even came out. So obviously we are going to talk about these allegations. So if you're not in the place to hear those today, give this episode a miss, come back tomorrow. So here it is, the entertainment news story we need to talk about today. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. So Russell Brand is facing accusations of rape, sexual assault and emotional abuse that have been put forward over a seven-year period. So we did have a bit of warning this was coming. There was a lot of hype that a big magazine expose and a TV expose were both coming. And at the time, they didn't officially name who was the centre of this, but it was being passed around that it was Russell Brand. And that came to a fruition when this joint investigation by the Sunday Times, the Times and Channel 4's dispatches came out with this whole like very well researched over a long period of time, medical records, firsthand statements, witness testimonies that said that Russell Brand had been behaving inappropriately at work during the height of his fame. And, you know, there's so much in this, including sexual remarks, acting aggressively, as well as some accounts of rape. So there are four women who have made allegations and as part of this expose between the years of 2006 and 2013. And they are some really disturbing allegations. One woman says that Russell Brand raped her against a wall in his home and tried to stop her from leaving until she told him she was going to the bathroom and pretty much escaped. And there is evidence to say that she was treated at a rape crisis centre on that same day, which has been confirmed. That's why I think it's important to keep kind of bringing that up is Mm -hmm. that these aren't 
wild allegations as most rape allegations never are. Like this has been meticulously researched. There's a lot of records and facts that back up what these women have been brave enough to come forward and say. So another woman in the UK, she said she was 16 at the time and Russell Brand was in his early 30s when they started in the sexual relationship and she alleges that Russell Brand would refer to her as the child during really emotionally abusive and controlling a relationship that they were in and that's kind of her word, she said, abusive controlling relationship. And looking back, she says that he really engaged in the behaviour of a groomer. All the stories are terrible but this is where the account of the taxi driver trying to stop her who was like sent to pick up at school, mm-hmm. take her to Russell Brand's house. He had knowledge that bad things happened in that house and he was trying to get her out of there. But, you know, she was so young, she went into the house anyway. Yeah, and like this entire read and also some of the documentary as well is like just so harrowing. But that is the part that sort of haunted me a little yeah. bit. And the woman who's recounting the taxi driver telling her this, like says he had sadness in his eyes and it's just all very chilling. And the fact that he could recognise the house yeah. was just very Makes disturbing. you think how many of these allegations yeah. are out there that just haven't come forward yet. Then a third woman claimed that Russell Brand sexually assaulted her while she was working with him in L.A., She says that she repeatedly told Russell Brand to get off her and when he eventually relented, he flipped out, became super angry and threatened to take legal action against her if she repeated her allegations to anyone else. And then the fourth woman has alleged being sexually assaulted by Russell Brand in the UK and him just being very physically and emotionally abusive towards her over a long period of time. So these four women have all come forward with these stories And it is really all anyone's talking about today, even though it does have that air of so many people in the industry saying like, oh, we've known this for so long. It's been an open secret. But I think there's a difference to a lot of people in the industry saying something and it coming out in a report and an article and in a TV special like this. Mm -hmm. And like you hear it all the time, an industry sort of open secret and that kind of thing. But without like verifiable proof and someone putting maybe their name or their face or just putting it to paper, like that's not something that's actionable that can have like real consequence. And so to see it all laid out here was a lot. From what I read on Twitter from various journalists and editors that were involved in this, they had been working on this since 2019. That is a really, really laborious oh, yeah. thing to understand. And one of them is like heavily pregnant right now mm. and is trying to get the story up as she was like about to give birth because they've been working on it for this long. So obviously before they had to run the story, they reached out to Russell Brand to get comment. That's just standard journalism practice. And he pretty much outed himself mm. as the person before the report or the TV show came out by putting up a video on his YouTube channel and denying all the allegations and really putting himself at the centre of the story before the allegations even came came out. Amidst this litany of astonishing, rather baroque attacks are some very serious allegations that I absolutely refute. These allegations pertain to the time when I was working in the mainstream, when I was in the newspapers all the time, when I was in the movies. And as I've written about extensively in my books, I was very, very promiscuous. Now, during that time of promiscuity, the relationships I had were absolutely always consensual. I was always transparent about that then, almost too transparent. And I'm being transparent about it now as well. And to see that transparency metastasized into something criminal that I absolutely deny makes me question Is there another agenda at play? So you'll notice a lot of that statement. He's saying the word mainstream a lot. He's saying maybe there was another reason that this has come out. He's really set himself up as the victim in that statement. 
and he's leaning into something that he has worked really hard on for a number of years with cultivating this very particular YouTube audience. So after the break, we're going to talk through how Russell Brand has made himself essentially uncancelable. So I think something that's really important to understand about this story is all of the context around Russell Brand's public persona. He's had a really interesting trajectory from like host, comedian, actor into this like spiritual guru and now this big YouTube phenomenon. For a very long time, he was like a darling of Britain's left wing. He advocated for wealth distribution. He was like very open about like socialist values. And this was all playing out alongside his budding like, I'm spiritual, I'm a guru kind of shtick. But then the COVID pandemic happened and he morphed into what he calls a public thought leader. I feel like those three words, red flag. That sounds like the kind of thing like the worst guy you were set up on a blind date would say. 100%. Like, well, you just need to cut the cord and just get out of this straight Mm -hmm. away. That's that vibe. So he had this YouTube channel for a very long time and he'd been really, really like prolific in publishing to it. But he grew a really huge following through 2020 through to 2021 when he really lent into COVID scepticism. You know, he criticised vaccines. He criticised COVID policy. He also released videos on some very sort of conspiratorial things, the Great Reset, which is a big conspiracy theory. Mm. He spoke about Bill Gates. Remember that time when those were the things that were really, like, there was a lot going on in the Oh, the yeah. And because of what was happening in the world, with a lot of people having their freedoms taken away for the first time, Mm -hmm. with lockdowns and vaccine mandates, a lot of people who wouldn't normally lean into this internet culture were very much looking for someone because all of a sudden they had a renewed interest because they thought it was affecting their lives directly. And because Russell Brand had this really lovable comedian, movie star persona, I think a lot of people really zeroed in on him as their saviour in all this. 100%. And one of his main tenets throughout all of it was like, do not trust anyone, question anything, Actually, do not trust anyone except for Brand himself. Basically, his main thing was like, the mainstream media sucks. So his YouTube titles were things like, Joe Rogan unmasks CNN's true agenda. Bill Gates' incredibly awkward interview. Is he hiding something? He also had one that was Australia's vaccine apartheid. So that's just kind of like gives you an insight into the sort of things that he was talking about and the ways in which he would sort of differentiate himself from what he was calling the mainstream Mm -hmm. media. So for years, because of this, he and then also his followers have sort of existed in this parallel world where they are all about questioning things and they don't trust anything that is happening on homepages and in newspapers and with governments as well. And I think that that has really come across in his response to these allegations, right? He's talking about he's been transparent in the past and that's being hijacked and used against him. And all of the comments on his YouTube are like, I knew this was coming. They're out to get him. They were always going to get him. Like, who are they? No one can quite answer who they are. But something that he's done very cleverly, I don't know if this was on purpose, but I also don't know if this was not on purpose, is that he has this base support who, one, will immediately not agree with the allegations and not believe them, and also see the allegations as an attack on, one, him, but also them and their worldview. And I think that him having this entire sort of base following makes him less susceptible to sort of your traditional career consequences because he makes his money in this way through these people who don't care or believe these allegations. It's very interesting. Yeah, that's definitely a disturbing element in this because, I mean, to get into conspiracy theories for a moment, I've got one of my own that is shared by a lot of people, and that is it kind of looks like that 
did he just walk away from being this beloved Hollywood movie star and comedian because he was seeing through the bullshit and he wanted to help people? Or did he set himself up in a place that he knew these allegations would one day come out? Because if you have this many allegations with this many women over this period of time and there's bits in this piece where he's asking, like he's apologising and he's saying, please don't tell anyone or saying, I'll sue you. Some part of him must have known that these allegations would come out. And obviously it was a different time back then. We hadn't had the Me Too movement and stuff. But even so, like knowing these allegations would come out, did he build himself into a space where when they finally did come out, it looks like he's had a bit of a gotcha moment. Like he's saying in this video to his followers, we knew this was coming. I told you they were going to target me. I told you they were going to make up lies. And now it looks like to the people that follow him that he predicted this and this is all a setup and he's the real victim here. Mm. And it's almost like his followers are celebrating in a way because this guru they've been following, they feel like they've been vindicated instead of looking at this and being like, oh, wait a second, this person we've been following has done some horrible things. It's like a gotcha moment for them. And also because he's removed himself from having to make money, like he still does stand up and he said that he wants to keep doing that, whether he will now or not, although past precedent unfortunately tells us he probably can. But apart from that, he gets most of his income from this community that he's built that are very against this idea of like mainstream mass media. So he doesn't have to rely on Hollywood or like the UK entertainment circuit or regular people or advertising or anything like that. He's made himself this person that can exist away from that. And it looks like he spent like a good decade setting himself up to escape these allegations, which is the most disturbing thing. Well, if this did begin in 2019, this investigation, and he changed his tune somewhat in 2020, like the timeline does... That he would have known that they were looking into this, yeah. Yes. Another thing that sort of bubbled away over the weekend was comments that Katy Perry, who was Russell Brand's ex-wife, said in a 2013 interview with Vogue because she spoke about her controlling ex-husband and about their really hurtful marriage, which, you know, did last two years and resulted in that absolutely, like, heart-wrenching scene in her music documentary. Oh, yeah. Burnt into my brain. Me too. And I think the one time in that whole Katy Perry-Russell Brand breakup where people were on her side, because I think looking back now, the way we think differently, it's very easy for people to say, like, we love Katy Perry, Russell Brand was awful. But, like, at the time, and even after that documentary, apart from that one clip, Mm. there was still this idea that he was enlightened and that he was going to go and be a better person and she was this fame-hungry monster who wouldn't step away from Hollywood to work on their marriage. Uh-huh. I think that was the narrative. So and I it, think that's why this quote, it's resurfaced now and people are looking at it. But at the time, it was just like, oh, yeah, Hollywood couples, they're wild. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that you say that because in the interview, she says that she initially blamed herself and sort of had those same feelings as well. But then in the quote that's really gone everywhere, she said that she found out the real truth. So she told Vogue, I felt a lot of responsibility for it ending, but then I found out the real truth, which I can't necessarily disclose because I keep it locked away in my safe for a rainy day. I let go and I was like, this isn't because of me. This is beyond me. So I have moved on from that. And that quote has really gone all over the show. Exactly. And I think it's careful for us not to assume anything here in terms of like assuming that Katy Perry knew of any of these rape or assault or anything like that. Like it might be something completely different, but it does allude to something behind the scenes that was quite dark that never came out at the time. And I think we're going to see a lot more of these stories from people in the industry come out, which sometimes unfortunately is what people Mm. need. Like I know people are really taking this Russell Brand story seriously, which is good, but I feel like sometimes people need like a celebrity 
daily voice to hook into. And so I think like looking for that from Katy Perry is why people are doing it. It's why resurfaced quotes from Danny Minogue today about how Russell Brand has treated her are mm-hmm. really gaining traction. There's so many times now where I look back, like there's even this clip, I mean, Fifi Box hasn't said anything about this, but there's that really infamous clip where Russell Brand like straddles her in an interview and like won't get off her and is like literally like pushing her down to the chair and she's laughing but and maybe she was fine but there is that air of like we've all been there in an interview where you don't want to upset the famous person Mm -hmm. and so I wonder if all these little moments will come out into something the only other thing to think of I've seen people saying today like will he go to trial for this and like it's hard to say but also I think the Danny Masterson case is such an outlier that it is so hard to have a trial and a conviction and a sentence like that for a rapist after that period of time. So Mm -hmm. it's hard to know if that will go forward, like it's looking unlikely. But I think the best thing is that at least these women have their stories out there and people are taking them seriously. We will link the full Russell Brand investigation in the show notes. It's a really harrowing but important read. Thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. This episode of The Spill was produced by Gia Moylan with audio production by Scott Stronick. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au and on The Spill Instagram. Bye. Bye. <laughs>